Welcome to the Simplified Marketing Podcast. Straight talking ideas to grow your business. Well, hello and welcome to the Simplified Marketing Podcast. My name is John Lawley and I run a web design agency. And as always, I'm joined by the wonderful Georgia from Marshmallow. She is our brand specialist and (laughs) the ever young Andrew Black, who helps trades troubleshoot. So this episode is is the same. It's a similar, it's a top tips episode that we're trying here at the moment. So we're thinking along the lines of, there's a lot of news coming out of the United States at the moment where people, especially in the higher echelons of business, are planning around the COVID pandemic um, and lockdown and actually thinking about what's going to happen if there is a second wave or a third wave. What happens if your business needs to plan ahead for a second wave, which might come towards the end of this year, and a potential third wave, which might start early next year. How do you future-proof your business? How do you move things forward um, rather than stay in a lockdown situation? How can you actually trade going forwards? So the three of us have all got together to discuss six points that we've come up with around this scenario to see if we can help you, give some, give you some insights into how you might be able to future-proof your business. As always, you can watch all the episodes at marketingsimplified.co.uk. So guys, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Yeah, good to be back, John, as always. Wonderful. Right. Our first point then was thinking about your, as a business, thinking about your immediate area. There are a lot of people stuck at home. A lot of them still have disposable income. A lot of them are still on furlough and therefore are still receiving some form of income and um, may not have the same kind of outgoings like travel expenses, such and such kind of going forward. So what kind of offerings could people be offering right now? Do you know what I love? I've been um, speaking to a few contacts of mine recently, and I want to give you an example. Uh, A wine exporter and importer who only ever dealt with restaurants and bars. So you can imagine, obviously, the last few um, weeks and months have been really, really difficult. And I, I knew that he was really hesitant to tap into the domestic market because that wasn't his business. But He's tried it and now he's seeing a huge interest, obviously. And I think, John, maybe you may be one of his biggest fans now as well. But very probably everyone is now like drinking wine at home because they can't go out. And then there's the whole Zoom thing as well. And people are having uh, family parties on Zoom with their wines. And it's completely game changed the industry. Um, And I just think that's a fantastic one for an example of a business and how they've seen people in their um, immediate region, how they've had to kind of switch and adapt, but it's just, it's almost, it's transformed their business in a whole different dimension. So what like a fantastic thing to have happened just from changing your mindset and opening it up to, do you know what, we need to adapt. We need to look at what's going on right now and let's see how we can cater for the individuals that are around us um, and offer them something from our business that is still safe. I just love it. Even though I'm not a drinker. um... (laughs) It's good to see as trusted advisors, we're recommending alcohol to everybody that listens. <laughs> Within the first minute of the show as well, you know. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly, if you look closely, everyone's just got a little bit of the shakes. It's like <laughs> filming is reasonably late at night for us. So, um, yeah. But on the kind of catering theme, obviously, with all the pubs and restaurants being closed, there's a couple of sort of bistro um, pubs and bars and so on, not too far from us. And they're doing uh, roast dinner deliveries. And they're also doing like afternoon mm-hmm. teas. So where you've still got birthdays and things like that, they are kind of catering because obviously the takeaway places are still open. They're able to operate in a safe environment. So I've seen that switch from local businesses for sure. Mm. And I think one other point to make is 
there's such a more a bigger, wider spread feeling of community at the moment. Um, I mean, I've even got a community WhatsApp group on our clothes, which is just a neighborhood watch clothes. But on there, you've got like the electricians um, and other sort of local trades sort of saying, look, we know we're not working at the moment. If anyone gets stuck, if anybody needs help, um, just give us a call, drop us a message if anybody you know is in trouble. And that's a real good way to kind of just um, let people know, probably your neighbours that might not even know what you do unless you're van sign written, for example. Um, but just letting them know that you're here, that you can help and you're in a position and so on. And that's obviously extended to our, our parents are a little bit older. Could you do you mind picking something up when you're at the Tesco's or whatever? So it's that's been that's been a really nice thing coming from the community for a change. When it's yeah, yeah, local local community. I, I completely agree. I mean, that's that's the thing, isn't it? If you're in an area and you can't necessarily travel too far, you've now got this local area which you might have kind of ignored for a long time. It's now on your doorstep, and this is now a protect. You know, it's people. These are people to protect and look after and help but also to help serve different services too. I love the wine idea because, yes, I have been a customer. Of course you do. <laughs> um, and also, there's, there's a number of different people. If you kind of scratch the surface, there are more things available than you actually realise. And, you know, being part of networking groups, the three of us know, know about this. But I think a lot of people who are maybe in the mainstream who are employed by a larger business don't necessarily understand that there are still lots of local people out there who are actually specialists in really good things. There's a, a, a French wine specialist who lives in the, in the locality in North London. There's an Italian specialist in doing wine. There are local farms who can deliver milk to your doorstep, old school. Um, you know, we talked about this in a previous episode, but getting actual cow's milk that has been milked just up the road, delivered to your front door fresh on a morning, is, you know, it's still available. You're seeing that as well, like even the, the community groups on social media, uh, Facebook, for example, um, you know, up here in Dunstable, up here, like I'm miles away, like up north. That <laughs> <laughs> was like the M25. Literally 20 minutes away from where you guys are sat. Um, but you've seen a lot of more communication there, a lot more people mainly being friendly, still some bitchy stuff going on. But all of a sudden, there are these smaller people um, trying to sell their bits and pieces online, trying to produce things, trying to sort of market their goods and so on. And you're finding that small family businesses are starting to come to the forefront and use the social media, use those community groups to start kind of selling. And I think people are encouraging that and people want to buy locally. Although, don't get me wrong, the supermarkets are doing a fantastic job. We're all feeling for the small businesses at the moment. And if, if there's anything we can do to help and support, then it's great to see them kind of push to the forefront and get that voice. Maybe for any businesses, a good tip would be like to sit and sometimes you forget, right? Like I, I know like John and I, for example, we offer heaps and heaps of services to our clients. Like there's such a different array of stuff. But sometimes we forget little elements or maybe overlook certain parts of our business that might be really fundamental for people right now. So maybe one idea is for people just to sit one evening with their glass of wine or their cup of green tea, if you're me, and just list down everything you do, you can do in your business and then have a look at it, like put it away for a day, then come back to it the next day with the mindset of, right, what here could really benefit by the bringing people back together I could do without going near anybody so I can feel safe from the whole social distancing element. And then with those areas of the business, right, let's start promoting those parts and, and getting it out there on social, putting it on my website and promoting those parts so that you can still be at the forefront of the community's mind because you're helping them with what they need rather than what you're trying just to sell. So that's 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 a brilliant point that actually leads on to the second point that i'd put down so once you've got your list and once you've decided um what the services are that you can offer 
and start offering to people in the in your locality and, and close by how do you then contact them and actually get their message out because this is that's the really important part you've got the service how do you now speak to your next door neighbor and the rest of your immediate um immediate neighbors to actually let them know what you can do well i'll tell you what let me just twist that question around a little bit because i think us being in the situation we're in all of a sudden people that haven't been brave enough to do facebook lives are all of a sudden doing that you've got online webinars left right and center we've had again you know going back to the community a, a personal trainer doing a zoom session for everyone in the street if needed so let me put it to you guys obviously there's a number of ways what do you guys think is the most effective way for businesses to get their message across? I think that one comes down to, again, it's like when you're starting a brand from scratch, who's the ideal client? Who are you trying to help? And how do they like to receive their communication? Because is it worth creating an app if your target audience is the 75 plus uh, age group? Probably not, I'd imagine. Um, but, you know, you need to look at how would you get to those people? Maybe it would be their children who are in their 40s that are on the Facebook group. So maybe I need to be present there. Um, maybe you've got an, an email list and you want to touch base with old clients and let them know that um, you're focusing on certain services that might be of value to them right now. I always come back to my list. I'm such a list person. I come back to my list of all the different ways that you can communicate with people um, and look at who, who are you trying to help right now and where are they and how do they receive their information? That's where we need to like put your focus. And that's going to be different for every single business. Definitely. Well, yeah, I think definitely. I think you're right. I mean, that's the fundamental, I think. That's, that's, the, that's definitely with anything, anything you're starting out. What Georgia has just said is actually instrumental in it because I think a lot of people made the mistake of just going out and going, oh, I'm going to do email marketing or I'm going to do this and that. But if you've not thought through how that person likes to be spoken to and how they like to receive that information, then you've not got a chance and you're probably going to miss because you're just guessing. So once you've done that um, exercise, with someone like Georgia to actually decide who those people are. I think there's an array of different ways. And for different businesses, they work in different ways. And for different age ranges, they work in different ways. But think about the fact that a lot of marketing services are still open for business because people need to get messages out. So I am constantly contacted by about 30,000 printers every single day trying to sell their wares. Printing shops and printing businesses are still open because for the most part, they're in a warehouse somewhere and one person can operate 50,000 machines and can print off 100,000 flyers within a few hours. And then someone else then wraps them all up and then sticks them in the post. Someone else then comes and delivers them. So it's all contactless all the way through. So you could as well, in a way, start looking at something like direct mail, where you just send off a design you've got ready, and that could be a letter, it could be a brochure, it could be anything like that. Someone remotely prints it for you. Someone then uploads your um, address list, um, and then someone else then will stick those in the post, and then they're automatically delivered by the postman or DHL or Hermes or whoever directly to the front door and letterbox of your target audience. And even I think like the, the I've tried it with various different customers, but the Royal Mail have some form of offer on where they'll deliver 8,000 pieces of mail for 500 quid to a specific postcode. So you wow. could say, this is my postcode. Um, someone's printed 8,000 8, flyers or 8,000 catalogs, 500 quid will deliver those. And you don't have to deliver them all at the same time. It could be 3,000 one week, 3,000 the next, 3,000 the third week. So you've got 
you know, you, you're hitting people every couple of weeks with, this, with a different, slightly different message which is coming from you. So that's one kind of very cost-effective method which you can do from your own home and you don't actually have to be involved in, really. You just not only John, is that cost-effective. I mean, at the moment where the vast majority of people do have a little bit more time in their day or are working from home or are actually at home, probably I'll take it a bit longer to actually have a look at the post that comes through the door rather than just throwing it straight into the junk. So I think that's really important. That's a real good thing to consider. I mean, have you guys noticed any change or any difference in the cost of Facebook ads or Google ads at all? Yes. Now, this is this is quite an interesting one from speaking to various different people who are doing Google ads, also running things like Facebook ads myself. So generally speaking, I think if you are offering um, some form of online um, service or like a download or an online course or something like that, I think that people are trying to educate themselves. So I think that um, it seems to be easier to get people to have a look and view that proposition online and sign up for an online course. But if it's something which is more uh, trades-based, um, I mean, I'd, I'd use this example at the moment because this is one thing I'm trying, finding a little bit tricky at the moment, air conditioning. Um, obviously, not everyone has the money to install air conditioning at the moment. It's a reasonably cost, costly you know, endeavor. Um, but there was a campaign I ran for one particular um, air conditioning company last year, and it just flew out there. The cost per click was really quite small. The engagement rate was huge, um, and they were getting a really good um, return on their investment. The similar campaign this year, just running through, yes, we are available. Yes, we can do this, and yes, we can do that. We can do it all safely and engaged. The cost is cheaper because there aren't as many people advertising. So Facebook and Google want more customers and therefore are making it cheaper because you know, there isn't as much competition going on. But the engagement rates and the click-through rates are a lot smaller in comparison. Right. So you're getting less people engaged with that, but at the same time, it's costing you less to do. But if you think about the return on investment, it's still, it's still worth it. You're just not making as much, I think, is the, is the potential outcome. I don't know if you found anything different, Georgia. Well, I'm certainly not an expert on the ad side of things on social. I mean, mine's more the brand. But interestingly, the last couple of weeks, I actually was doing some ads for myself. And um, I'd created an opt-in for um, painters and decorators specifically. And it worked phenomenally well. Honestly, I got so... It, my email was pinging off all day long that I had new people opting in. And I was thinking, wow, this is amazing. This was two weeks ago. So this is when I was on lockdown. Last week, I put through a, set, a similar ad, um, Facebook ad, and it was for an opt-in for plumbers specifically. And I was thinking, okay, I'm going to get the same response. Interestingly, I did not. And I have a feeling it's because then lockdown had been um, announced. I don't know. I just found this all very coincidental that the results were completely skew-whiff, even though there was a similar kind of opt-in, there was a similar... Um, kind of trail that, that the trades would, would go down sort of funneling through. And um, yeah, then I just, I sort of thought, oh, okay, this is interesting. I mean, I've always been of the school that with the ads and things, speak to the experts for that stuff, because I think that's a whole completely different ball game to the branding element, which is obviously what I do. Um, but I find the whole thing fascinating. And it is, you have to test things out. You can't just think mentally, oh, I'm just going to throw this money at Facebook ads and it's going to guarantee me this, this, this and this. You need to work with an expert like yourself, like SEO companies as well, or Facebook ad companies that can do all the testing and they can split test to see, right, what has worked on this, what has worked on, on this part as well, what didn't work, trial and error. And I think that's where people go a bit wrong with Facebook ads. They just think they put some money behind something and not really knowing what they're doing they're just going to get a massive return and they don't know all the, how it works behind the scenes. 
Yeah, that's a, that is a really good point. Actually, you've got to test things out. Never, you, never use the boost option on something oh like my Facebook God, yeah. or, or Instagram. You just, you might as well just get a twenty quid note and just, oh, just it. rip it. Yeah, yeah. People, yeah. That's, I always say to people, they see that blue button, don't they? But people, what we have to remember is Facebook's a business. They're encouraging us to want to spend money with them, and it's not to say that Facebook ads don't work because they can be so powerful, and I've certainly seen it for myself. But when you don't know what you're doing and you just see boost post for 20 pounds and you think, Oh, okay. Like, um, as a trademan might see that and get excited by it, which using trade as an example that, which I keep hearing my guys doing, they're throwing 20 pounds left, right and center. And they're thinking, Oh, this is great. Loads of people have seen this post that was misspelled that had no call to action that had a dodgy image. Like, and then you wonder why you had no results. There's a lot more that goes in to all these ads rather than just the putting money on. What are you offering? How are you positioning yourself? How are you targeting it to the ideal audience that you want? Um, and I guess people are just a bit uneducated to that. So um, they need our help in guiding them a bit, really. It's also worth kind of saying, you know, with all this going on, there's still opportunity and there's good opportunity and bad opportunity. And I think I caught up with John earlier on and I was just sort of saying, there's a massive demand at the moment for home gym equipment. Mm. And if you go online and you look at like um, things like eBay and so on, Prices are ridiculous, like five or six times the usual amount. So there's been a few Facebook ads that have popped up selling gym equipment. Just want to make sure people double check the comments, double check the business, click on the actual website, click on all the links, and just do your due diligence a little bit. Because there seems to be, with this opportunity, a lot of scam sites, a lot of scam companies jumping up. And I'm sure Facebook does do a level of sort of its own due diligence and checks. Um, but looking at it, if a, if a deal is too good to be true, it, it normally is. And there's been at least three different companies I've seen that there's no substance or anything behind them. Yeah, I've seen that. So there's, there's another one that's going around at the moment for the, um, the black AirPods, the, the um, earbuds. So uh, someone in China has managed to rip off Apple's design for AirPods, made them black and said that they're exactly the same, but a third of the price. Well, you know, I very much doubt that they will be as good. You can actually get those things delivered, apparently, but the uh, sound quality is absolutely naff, and they don't really connect to your phone as they should. So, you know, if, if you are going to pay less, I think, you know, you're absolutely right. Check everything out. I think clothing retailers, because um, it's very easy to set up and just put images of different clothing online, those are the biggest scams, I think, at the moment. Oh, but, my um, God, I've been ripped off £600 for when I was a maid of honour. I, I think it came through a Facebook thing. I clicked through to the site, and I bought these dresses for my sister's wedding. I never saw that money again, and I cannot tell you, the things that arrived at my house, I could not even call them dresses. I, they should have just been rags of some sort, awful. And, uh, yeah, I chased them up, and there's some company in China, even though it was branded up to look like a UK company, um, yeah, and I got completely stung. So, well, that is another point, isn't it? Because I, I think a lot of people, I mean, those scam ones are obviously doing a very good job with the branding. Whereas um, I think people who are just starting up and figuring things out and testing things out on things like Facebook, email marketing, whatever, are they actually, you know, they are legitimate companies and they're local, but mm -hmm. are they actually investing the right amount of time and effort in their own branding and their own website? Well, that's where things like reviews, I guess, come. Uh, down and uh, really important where you can see faces of people you can click on profiles maybe you can see where they're based as well I know there's a lot of for the cut for the hacking and spammy companies that really put the time and effort in to try and fake all of that I guess uh, that's kind of a next level and there will be the odd occasion where people will get burnt like I did and uh, I do this for a living but everything I was seeing looked really legitimate um, and I've, I've spotted so many spammy things come through my 
inbox in the past. Um, the best one I ever saw was an Apple one. Literally, the email looked completely like an Apple newsletter. And I, but I spotted something at the bottom of the um, email that I queried. Um, and it went straight to the apple.com page. So again, you think it was all legitimate, but there was one extra link. And I thought, let me have a look at this. And it was something dodgy. And I immediately knew and sent it to everybody. So this looks so perfect, but I spotted one thing and this is a complete um, hoax. So try to send everyone a warning as well. So you've got to be so careful. Andrew, going back to your original question, I think you've got to, in a way, figure out who this audience is how they consume different media. But I think, like Georgia says, I think you've definitely got to test things out. So is direct mail going to be a good one? Because, you know, you send some shiny through the door. People have got more time, like you say, to have a look at it. Um, things, things like Facebook Live. Um, Georgia is the, uh, is the expert on that in our group here. <laughs> um, tricks of the trade is going really well. And, um, you know, try, try these things out. I've seen a lot of people start Instagram accounts, just trying things out. Um, and getting to know how to use those different things. I, I had a, a Zoom call earlier today with some clients who were in their 70s who managed to figure out how to use Zoom correctly. And now, you know, they, they, they put books underneath the laptop and everything. They were properly positioned. I was like, whoa, just a minute. How have you come across all this stuff? Oh, we've just been reading up online, they said. And we've, been, you know, wanted to make ourselves look good. And they obviously had the um, bookshelves in the background with lots of leather-bound books. Oh, and uh, the apartment was smelling of rich mahogany. Don't tell me, ask me how I know that. But yeah. <laughs> Well, Andrew yeah. mentioned earlier in point one about community, and that, that is really important, and especially through social media at the minute. The amount of interaction and engagement I'm seeing through community groups and people wanting to help each other as well and people who don't even know each other going out of their way when they're putting a post to get something to somebody else, to um, a contact of mine. She was sadly sparing her grandmother next week and they wanted to get her favourite drink um, that was quite a rare Greek alcohol and she put out on the post um, on a local group, would anyone happen to have a bottle of this just so we can sort of cheer my nan um, next week at the funeral and someone did and she didn't meet them but she went and took a photo outside the front door from a few meters away and um, thank you so much to this lady that had this bottle and now we can give my nan that send-off that we'd we'd hoped for I mean, how amazing is that That's and all good. of this is going on the community groups with people that are complete strangers but wanting to help each other because of the community spirit right now and um, so I just think it's incredible how much that so we've got we've got to the point of putting our list together and thinking about who we can now um or who we can offer a service to we've thought about what kind of services we can now offer we've thought about how we're going to deliver that service but what about the key other things so the um, messaging um point of this i mean andrew how 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 au fait do you think trades are with actually putting a coherent message together about what they're offering and and how to how to charge for it as well i think with a lot of trades the difficulty is there's this almost excitement once we've gone past or beyond the point of just word of mouth referrals, and now we're going to start doing some marketing. So as we mentioned in previous points, getting the brand looking special, looking good, looking how it should target in our market. But then what happens is we just list absolutely every single thing that we do, as opposed to, okay, there's our audience. Let's pick one. Let's pick the thing that is going to, the 80% of our services that brings in the kind of high profit margin. That's what we're looking to do. Um, so for for example in our game it would be boiler servicing boiler servicing is the key one it's easy to market um, everybody should have it done in terms of whether it be a legal requirement or the manufacturer's recommendations it's safety for your home it helps you save bills you should always speak to your gas safe registered engineer in your local area to have that done 
what that can lead on to in time is either replacement boiler, replacement radiators, just as the system ages. But if I send the leaflet out, whether it be direct mail, Facebook Live, however I'm going to market myself, and just list everything. I mean, the networking groups that we talk, we go to, we talk, we talk about being specific. And obviously, if we're not specific with who we're targeting and the type of service we're offering, we're just going to lose that person. If I talk about passionately, hopefully, one specific service, i.e. boiler servicing, that person will think about, oh, no, it's okay, I had it done last week, or actually, have I put that in with my engineer, or have I still got a monthly care plan, or how am I looking after that, that part of the, the house? So I think that's kind of where trades often fall down. They often try and list absolutely every single thing that you do all in one go and believe that content is what it's all about. When, as we know from presentation skills, it's all about the tonality of the delivery and, as I say, being specific. Well, yeah, I guess with trades, we know that the biggest um, challenge you guys face is the whole no like, trust factor, right? Like there's, there's trying to defeat that stereotype of cowboy tradesmen that – um, still lingers around and the white van man and you know turning up when you want and not finishing the job and disappearing and trying to chase you on the phone and all these kind of things and that's just Andrew that's not even so you guys have a lot of work before we've even picked up the phone to try and um, eliminate those challenges for us right and especially for the ladies if we live alone as well and we're letting in tradesmen into our homes that's a, a huge thing we're letting in a strange male into our premises when we're by ourselves it's a concern right so you've got a lot of challenges to face before we even pick up the phone and that's where brand is super super helpful because if on your facebook if on your landing page if on your your website on your van on your clothing how even how you pick up and answer the phone everything for us is tick 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 like that then encourages us to to want to use you to choose you above your competitors and in a lot of cases to pay a premium because we feel we're investing in someone that's trustworthy that's not going to rob us it's not going to be rude to us it's not going to do half a job and disappear it's creating that whole experience almost before it's happened um and there's so many ways that you do that in your brand and, and i know john has had super success um not only in websites but specifically landing pages because andrew was saying you know some of the tradespeople that just think list absolutely everything and then put all this out there and then people will come to us. But we know by honing in on a niche or a specific area of our business and proving ourselves as the expert in that is how we really grow. Um, I've seen some of the work that John's been doing with landing pages, not just for trades, but for other companies as well. And he's taking the, the USP or the niche of a business and creating pages focused on that. And I know you said you've had some great results off the back of that and I'd, I'd highly recommend businesses to to think about that as a way of pushing a certain element of their business forward thank you very much for that shameless plug that was brilliant you are thank absolutely you. welcome <laughs> <laughs> but yes I, I obviously i completely agree it's that it's that one thing as, as you both said, that one key point, this is what pulls people in. And then afterwards, you build a relationship and it allows you then to um, start saying, well, we also do this, we also do this, we also do this. And you keep those touches, it's an opportunity then to talk to them, that customer, for a longer period of time because you're talking about all the rest of your services. But that one thing that you've helped them with, which might have been a, a relatively small um, job to do or a small amount of money that's helped build the trust and that brought people in that's how i that, that goes back to my first step into networking the first 
I earned my first uh, amount of money in networking before even joining. The first meeting that I ever went to when I was just finding out more about networking, someone came across and said, I heard your speech. Um, um, you were talking about emails. Can you help me with this? It's only a small thing, but yeah, of course, absolutely. Brilliant. And that was a transaction which helped pay for my first membership fee. And then take it on that small thing that goes through. Everyone then trusts you to have delivered that. Great. I'm going to trust you with something bigger now. Let's keep in touch. Let's keep talking. As long as you continue the conversation with your client and customer, you can then start talking about other things. That's what it is. If it's something that is relatively low cost, easy to deliver, something that you're really good at, then just be specific with it. And you guys will know if you're delivering the message correctly and if the branding is all tied up um, and your personality comes across either in the delivery of that material, in the online video, however you're doing it, people have an emotional response to it. You know, like it or not, how many times do we hear, oh, I, just, I just got a funny feeling about that person, I just didn't like them, even if they've never met them. So your emotions don't kind of lie to you. So if all that is conveyed correctly in the messaging or in the brand itself or the way the message comes across in the method, then you're already halfway there. And as you mentioned, Georgie, you then don't mind paying a premium for it. Well, because you, you don't, there's so many people, I, I guess a lot of people do think of, oh, people just want the cheapest of everything, right? But look at the people that are, how many thousands I've invested in Apple machinery, people that buy Chanel handbags, Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Why are they buying this stuff? Well, okay, that's great if they can afford them, but it's because they, they have, see the value in it. They see the value and it's not just, I want the cheapest. I want what's going to work for me. Like, like the Apple machinery, I could buy machinery that's so much cheaper and could run all the design softwares that I need. But I know that this is going to work the fastest for me. I know that this is going to um, enhance the design skills that I already have and make my product much better. So I invest and, and spend a premium on my machinery because I know I see its value and I know that it's going to take me to the, where I want to be. And it's the same with, with clients when they're investing in us as businesses. If we can prove our value, and I know a lot of businesses get really scared when you say niche or specialise in something, and they think, but then I'm shutting out all the other areas of my business that I want to do as well. But if you've got, like you said, Andrew, the profitable parts of your business that you love doing, you, you love a specific client type, if you could have a thousand of those jobs in a year, wouldn't you be happy to do a thousand of those over and over again, enjoy them, get, earn the money you want? then trying to do all the other things because you think that's how you're going to grow your business. I mean, my mindset changed a lot now, years ago. If you get really good at doing that one thing, it allows mm -hmm. you to systemize Absolutely. and it allows you to grow the business as well. Mm -hmm. Georgia, what was that list of products you just said? It was Apple. <laughs> Apple Chanel, Ferrari. I was just reeling off it, all the high quality stuff that I know. Um, well, for anyone listening who wants to take Georgia out on a date, there's my list of stuff that you need to know with. <laughs> there you go, you see, that's what you, you need to invest in. You're on the podcast anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. at least two Ferraris or two Jags, minimum. Sure. Um, so, well, actually, that kind of brings us on nicely to one of my next points, which was all about your business model and pricing. Because obviously that is now going to have to change quite a lot. Um, you're offering a different service, you've got different customers and clientele, and you're looking for them in different places. So your cost, your prices, your set prices, etc. I think this is more of a question for Andrew to start talking through now about the actual gubbings of all of that within your business. Well, first of all, it's a good opportunity for everyone, hopefully, to reassess what's going on and therefore look at the model and what's going on. For the larger companies, I'm sure they've got all the relevant grants, loans, tax breaks, rent breaks, mortgage breaks, et cetera, et cetera, that they can do. But going forward, I mean, it's so difficult to plan 
for this type of stuff. And obviously what we're trying to do today is talk about the different ways that we can protect ourselves going forward. So looking at the model, if you're not furloughed, but you've got five or six of your members of your staff that are furloughed, and somehow you're still managing to run a large part of that business, then it surely points out that there's productivity issues within your staff members. And if that's the case, it is time for a, a change. It is time to look at where you can cut certain elements of processes, where you can not necessarily cut staff, but maybe take the staff and give them a different role or responsibility within the business. We mentioned niching. Could that one member of staff now focus on that area of the business and really push the new product or new service? So it's about now evaluating the different lines, the different products, the different services, the different profit margins you get from those. But probably more importantly than any of that, we've all been caught short a little bit. How can you lower your expenses every month? Do you really need the, the five vans? Could you have four? Do you really need that telephone system? Do you really need the all singing, all dancing mobile? Do you even need premises? I mean, look, what we've proved and demonstrated is the whole world, including 70-year-olds, can now get online. You know, um, sometimes it's necessary to go onto site. Sometimes it will be necessary to go to networking meetings. But for the large part, even things of carbon emissions, let alone the time that we saved on going to all these appointments, there's so many costs that can be saved. So I would start by looking at your forecast and how it's been. Yes, there's less money coming in, but there should be a hell of a lot less money going out. And going forward, is this new model, this new structure, something you can maintain, having had now tidied up your brand, tidied up your messaging, and really looked at a proper marketing plan and new business plan for those products and services moving forward? I'd love to know what your thoughts are, Andrew, because I, I, I see it in part sometimes when I'm scrolling on social. But I guess with everything that has been going on, there's been a lot of businesses that have been panicking and thinking that by slashing prices to, to get customers in the short term. Um, I'd just love to know your thoughts on, on that. As a, is that something you'd advise? Like, Is that something that people should be reviewing because maybe that could affect their, their brand stuff as well from a business perspective, not a design one? I think, to be honest with you, it, it's desperate times for a lot of people and there's certain trades that are really struggling. Um, I know a couple of guys, pest controllers, painter decorators that have um, actually helped the NHS out and taken on sort of um, pay-as-you-go jobs, ambulance driving and so on and so forth. There's kind of two sides of this. It's made them really evaluate their entire outlook, their life, and what they're going to do when things change. Are they going to go back to their business? Are they going to do it 50-50? But everybody that I've spoken to that hasn't spoken to me about reducing their prices or cutting their prices, and I certainly haven't recommended it. I just feel that it damages people's brand, their integrity in some ways, because we're all struggling. But if you're giving me half price something, then I can... I can tell you're struggling, which is a, as a human being, as a somebody personal that I know is terrible and I really want to help. But if a business does that, then I'm going to capitalize. So if you're now offering me 50% off, give me 75% off. You know, mm -hmm. I would just try and push it and push it and push it. And unfortunately, that's going to leave these other individuals, if they're doing that, half price boiler serving, servicing, half price gardening, anything like that. If you're in that position and that person's that desperate, Unfortunately, as a consumer, I'd want to take that offer, but I would strongly not recommend that. Even from a community perspective, if one person does that, it can then have an effect. 
on the other people because they'll feel like they need to. It gives the consumer a little bit of negotiating power because they said, oh, the company down the road is doing it for this price. Just stay firm. You know what you're about. You know what your values are. You know what your goals are. You know what you're trying to achieve. And with all the reductions and cuts that you probably can make, cutting your prices is the last thing that you want to do. I, I would completely agree with that. I think that, um, why, why would you? Well, it's not a race to the bottom mm-hmm. at the moment. We're still all, you know, we, we are still good at what we do. The things that we're doing have all been priced accordingly. So why, why are we giving things away cheaper? Why should anyone be expected to do that and give it away cheaper? It's not like um, people have had a real, uh, well, it's not like a lot or most people have had a real-time pay cut. The people who still want your services and can still afford to pay for them in some shape or form if they have a good business model and they're still working yeah. and, are, and are worthwhile working with. I think that's, that's the, one of the major keys to that. I think the, it's the, it must be the business owners that are making that decision. Right, panic, 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 mm. let's reduce our prices. Because from all the businesses that I speak to that are kind of giving my clients work and giving me work on the, on the tool side of things, nobody's asking me to reduce my prices. There's no pressure whatsoever. Nobody's even asked to change payment terms for me, which I know is something we mentioned in a previous episode. But as it stands, unless that communication is weighing down heavily on you, it, I said, you know, pick up the phone to one of us guys if you need a little bit of reassurance about this type of stuff. But cutting your um, prices should be the absolute last thing that you do. That's the answer I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> have you felt, I mean, I, I don't know how you guys feel, but uh, from various different groups of different business owners that I've spoken to, there seems to be almost three groups of people now that, that are kind of falling into. The first one are larger businesses who are kind of, you know, getting on. We're good businesses. We still have the work coming in. Um, so we're just getting on with it, basically. Um, but, you know, making the appropriate changes with social distancing, but still doing work still out there, still being profitable, except in fact, probably more profitable if we've cut a few of our base costs out, like Andrew suggested. Then there seems to be a second group of people who never really had a marketing plan or an action plan or goals or targets were just there to, you know, we're good at what they do, very likely, um, but just never thought above getting the next job. And we're just there and things thankfully came in that we're just getting by and never thought about anything. Um, they're the ones who are really worried. They're the ones who are mm-hmm. hiding away. They're the ones who are not necessarily doing too much. And then there seems to be a third group of people who are, uh, you know, taking late nights and uh, creating podcasts, thinking of new ideas, <laughs> spreading the love, <laughs> sharing the knowledge. Love those people. <laughs> and why? I think it's when you refer to some of the smaller businesses or people that aren't necessarily kind of in line with their own vision or unaware that they have a vision of where they want their company to go, they get caught up with the urgent, which is whatever's immediate and is whatever the most noisy thing is. Now, all of that stuff is subsided because the workflow is slowed. And instead of thinking, wow, here's an opportunity to deal with the important, they've just focused on the fact that there's nothing urgent to deal with. Now, that's a real problem. And this is where these guys, if you're aware of these people, try and reach out to them, calm them down, and get them to listen back to somebody's podcast for argument's sake and just see how they can start structuring and working on the things that are important in their business. I think when all this happened, however long ago, it was, what, five, six weeks, six years ago? Doesn't it feel like we're in a time or whatever? Feels moment. like it. <laughs> the emotional shock of it all, I think, knocked everyone for a good couple of weeks. And as they have seen the money coming from the government, and as they have been able to make those savings, make those cuts and get everything in line, and also gain maybe a new perspective, 
um, I spoke to a glazing company. He's spending more time with his family. And he's like, oh, I don't even know if I want to go back to 60 or 70 hour weeks. And that's where there is some positive that comes out of this type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing exactly what you've described there, John. Um, everyone's kind of a, a bit of a, a mash of it all, but I think everyone's slowly getting past that emotional shock and is starting to formulate plans. Listen, there's going to be people that are always, always, always give them a global pandemic. They'll still always do what they did. Give them a recession or a depression. They'll still always do what they did. You can't help those guys. You just got to kind of leave them. And it's never too late to plan, really, is it? I mean, even even at the stage we're at now where a business may have been struggling the last few months, like just by planning ahead, I'm sure as a coach as well, even just for a month, you can probably like you'll start reaping small rewards a month or two after that, right? Just from putting a few new things in place, making sure that you're working with a coach, that's making sure you're not making big mistakes. Because often is the case that they're just doing the complete wrong thing rather than slowly stepping stones in the right direction right well and or they're doing the things that they know how to do rather than the things that they don't know or they don't want to or they're scared of and it's also i suppose the biggest thing is they're completely unaware of what they don't know i know that sounds like a bit of a tongue twister but <laughs> you can only know what you know but i take it back a few steps is because for the guys that aren't working at all try and establish some sort of routine because if you were getting up at five those guys are getting up at eight nine ten now and, you know, we've all had a couple of weeks of that. But if you want to kind of maintain or start planning the future for your business, let's start getting some sort of routine back for our own personal selves. And whether that's wake up at a normal time, don't go to bed too late, do your exercise, do family time, do your homeschooling if you've got kids, or don't. Maybe that's, that's the, the, the trick is right there. Do a bit of homeschooling for yourself. <laughs> get a development, get a business development. <laughs> and then sit down with a cup of coffee. And literally, as you said, Georgia, you start planning. So what happens when we come out of all this? We've discussed today, who's my target market? What's my branding look like? How am I communicating with our customers? Those are all things that I guarantee you, I'd say what, 80% of businesses don't ask themselves that question or the smaller businesses that we work with don't ask themselves that question until we ask them in one of our kind of assessments with them. It's weird, isn't it? Because I, I know personally that my business operates much better by taking Andrew's advice, cutting out all the unwanted costs, slimming things down, seeing where you can make savings, seeing where you can create maybe a direct debit models. So you've got regular income, but also got one-off payments and things like that. And I know that all my marketing efforts work so much better if I have an expert like Georgia who has managed to put all the ideal client and everything in place and the branding looks amazing and all those touch points look absolutely fantastic. And I also know as well that companies like Amazon, who have got all of this completely right, and it's the one thing that everyone has definitely depended on, having home deliveries during anything like this, and now making $33 million every single second it's, it's those companies aren't they who have almost like seen this and seen what the future could be who are now actually capitalizing and it's actually this rush to actually do better whereas the people who haven't necessarily thought and haven't got online and haven't built that infrastructure who have in a way kind of been quiet locked everything down hidden away from it but are now having to emerge and do something can we just give three and a half seconds for amazon please Right, there's a hundred million. There you go. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'd love to see it just sort of stack up, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, I guess for for the businesses that have never kind of looked for help outside of themselves, 
it's overwhelming. They think, oh my God, I need to talk to someone about my website. I need to talk to someone about my brand. I need to talk to a coach. I need to talk to a printer. I need to talk to a sign maker. Like, and, and then that can be a reason why they don't. But I guess maybe one small bit of advice would be start one conversation. Like, and often I do feel it, it should be with a coach because um, that's a great place to start. Like, you just said slimming down the outgoings like what an amazing thing to be able to save some money just from cutting out a few things and, and spending half an hour with a coach that can sit and say do you really need this what's this about what's this about because you don't give yourself that time to do it throughout the year um start one conversation and move in small steps um because i just think people just get too overwhelmed because there's so many of us as experts that yeah, can there is. in so many ways um and then they just they just completely close the door. So maybe part of that structure, for example, like Andrew was saying, those those of our trades that might not be getting up at 5 a.m. so much um, and not having a planned structure throughout the day, maybe if they can break their day down into one-hour intervals, you know, one hour of the exercises, one, day, one hour play the kids, one hour do this, maybe one of those hours could be make a, make a call once a week to an expert. Pick up the phone and just call a business coach and just find out. What, you know, how, how could you help me? A 15-minute chat, I'm sure, is, um, you know, you'd be at the end of the phone, Andrew, for that to see if you can help that person and get, get a ball rolling. That, that might not be the, the right match, but you've had a conversation um, and your mind has been opened a little bit more to what opportunities could be in front of you. I think that's what's key. There's, there, as you say, it is so overwhelming and there's so much information out there. But what you kind of said at the end is absolutely right, if they're a match. And it's a case of because there's so much choice out there, it's about matching personality and who you kind of on the right frequency with. So everybody, everyone I know, we offer so many tools on the website. We offer free conversations, free calls, free discovery calls with each of us or all of us just to kind of see where you're at. So as you said, if you're sat at home, just get in touch, um, complete the form, um, and we can kind of guide you through some easy stuff and if we can take it further, we take it further. And if we don't, we don't. But at least you've kind of done something proactive for yourself and for your business. Okay, well, you can find out more about Andrew at heroesandhand.co.uk. You can find out more about Georgia at marshmallowdesign.co.uk. And you can find out more about me at johnlawley.co.uk. So thank you very much for watching or listening. If you're listening on iTunes, please don't forget to leave us a review. It's wonderful to know what you think of the show. And you can find out more all about the show at marketingsimplified.co.uk. So stay happy, stay thoughtful, stay exercising, stay in that routine, and we'll see you next time. That's all for this time. But don't worry, we'll be back with more soon. Stay tuned for new episodes at marketingsimplified.co.uk.